Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. There are a lot of millionaires in the world, but if you want to go and you don't have that kind of cash. I guess good morning Rutherford County and good morning Greg Tucker isn't it isn't it funny that things don't always go as planned on Monday morning I figured out I'm the mic check I do hear you and if you think we're on the air good uh can't hear well it's 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 misspelled but it says can't hear greg well i hear greg yeah i got my mic on i'm speaking up yeah i can hear you well yeah uh but i'm not going to do a lot of talking if nobody's hearing me let them confirm i'm hearing you do do i not count you and i've been talking for the last 30 minutes i'm running (laughs) it So, what's going on in your world? You're you're downsizing, and I am downsizing, we, and it's driving me crazy. We drove by your place on Saturday, and I actually thought about dropping in, and we saw the the truck and a couple of unfamiliar cars. And you just, saw all that work going yeah, on, and you decided to go somewhere else. You did, yeah, that's right. You looked to me like you had enough help. Yeah, but we did, and my kids were over there and working. Um, so hard that uh, I had to leave. You, you know, when when there's so much activity going on and you just don't feel like you're measuring up to everybody else, you just kind of find a, another uh, place to go settle in. And that's basically... Although, uh, yesterday was Bobby Stewart's birthday. But it wasn't. She had the party yesterday... But today is Bobby Stewart's birthday. Well, so happy birthday, Bobby. So happy birthday to you, Bobby. A sweet, sweet lady and, and uh, one of the nicest people I know. And she and Larry are going to be on Wednesday. So. Well, tell Bobby we're going to do something nice for Bobby right now. We are not going to sing happy birthday. Why not? I mean, we have such beautiful voices. Uh-huh. Hey, let's do everybody a favor and not use them. Yeah. Uh, what was your weekend besides that? Oh, let's see. A couple of... Uh, I did talk to Marty Luffman last night. He's oh. making uh, amazing strides coming back yeah. from a terrible, terrible auto accident. Uh, but he is planning uh, to attend the October meeting of the Rutherford County Historic Society, which wow. is 
October 18th. And uh, he says it's on his calendar, and he's planning to be there. Welcome uh, back, Marty. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, uh, he's such a special He's going to be moving, uh, you know, with a wheelchair and things yeah. like that for a while. But he thinks eventually he'll even put that behind him. Hey, if, it's, if somebody's got a nice condo uh, for sale. Uh, You're looking for something? I'm looking for a condo because I'll be selling my house uh, at auction uh, October the uh, 30th on Manchester Highway, so I'm looking for uh, something very simple to move into and, and uh, enjoy a much simpler life than what I've been used to. Another good friend of mine, a, a favorite uh, builder in the area, Scott Porterfield, called me during the weekend, and uh, Scott has just in the last two months been through some really scary health issues. his heart. And... Uh, some scary surgery and has made a complete recovery and is back working. All right. And uh, he called because he heard us last week uh, talking about the monument out on Old Las Casas Pike mm -hmm. for the geographic center of the state. And uh, he has inspected the monument for us and uh, made several suggestions and has volunteered to provide the the manpower and materials uh, when we're ready to put another plaque back on it and uh, has, has assessed the damage. And uh, uh, Scott's not only a, a good friend of mine, he's a good friend of our local history. And uh, we're not ready yet to, to put the plaque back up. It'll take a while to get that taken care of. But uh, when we do, Scott says he's ready to help with some of his personnel. That'd be nice for him to come over to the historical uh, association meetings, and uh, I, you guys would probably love to stand up and give him a big cheer. Well, we're gonna we'll we'll report, and hopefully by early next year we'll be able to uh, get it back up and yeah. uh, provide the the information that it's it's there for. Dr. Cunningham would love that. Yeah, he, uh, he's looking down on us right now. Yeah, he is, his family, his son is the current property owner around yeah. there. Yeah, Great Wall of Murfreesboro there. Uh, it's in one of my books. Uh, I also stumbled on something a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months ago. We were talking about back in 1931, there was a, uh, well, there, were, there was activity of what was called speed cops in Murfreesboro. And neither one of us had previously heard of the speed cops. And I should have, but I'm, that's the first I had ever yeah, heard of it. Well, it was, I don't know how late it run, but we know during the 30s, and interesting, the names that were identified in this particular report was George Robertson and Buck Qualls. Buck, of course. I remember was, Buck Qualls, yes. was our fire chief, is yes, what I remember. Yes, he was. Well, before that, he worked as a speed cop, and we couldn't and had not yet determined whether that was a city or a, uh, a county designation. Well, and then one thing leads to another. I was reading about some of the uh, bootlegging enforcement back in that same period and came across a reference to Knight Policeman, capital letters, Knight Policeman as a formal title, mm -hmm. and was talking about their confiscating 50 gallons of, uh, of uh, illegal liquor 
And, Somebody uh, must have been thirsty. Yeah, and uh, that they had confiscated the car, but the uh, bootlegger himself had gotten away uh, after a long car chase. Guess who the night policemen were? Qualls and Robertson, the same two characters. Now I'm, I'm really curious, but night police make large mm -hmm. liquor hall. Uh, and they, they dumped it in the sewer, it says. But uh, the catch was made by night policemen Qualls and Robertson. Uh, Qualls was very well known back well, in those days. Well, he must have been because he was working as a speed cop, a night policeman, and a fire chief. Uh, I hope he had assistance. Well, Robertson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had one. I don't know whether it was a sidekick or an assistant, but... Well, there uh, are are you are are you already programmed to where what direction we're going this morning? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I just pitched one thing on the floor and looked for another. Well, you mentioned one thing that is an aggravation to me. Uh, before I actually even sat down this morning, what's going on at MTSU with the ROTC building? Well, I'm disappointed to see or hear or read something that our our president out there, Sidney McPhee, is again going to further alienate the administration, the college administration, and the and the community. Yeah. And uh, his reasoning, and what I read was he found it offensive. Well, I find it offensive that he's wanting to further tarnish the reputation of one of our local. Uh, heroes, but uh, let me say this though: I believe anybody is entitled to their opinion. Yeah. And if they are a public official or a prominent uh, individual in a community that uh, is trying to influence other people, uh, that's part of our freedom. But if a community leader is going to do anything to try to influence others mm -hmm. I believe they need to be, be truthful yeah they need to tell the truth and they need to tell the whole truth yeah. and uh, if Dr. McPhee wants to tell the truth and tell the whole truth about Nathan Bedford Forrest and then take his position whatever his position is you know that's that's his right but when I hear a misrepresentation of facts and a very careful avoidance of certain facts, it looks to me like someone is being dishonest in their attempts to influence others. Mm -hmm. In the case of Forrest, they repeat over and over certain things about him that are just not true like he was a founder of the KKK. No, that's not correct. Uh, was he a leader at four or five years into the history of the KKK? He did take a position of leadership. What did he do? He disbanded the KKK. Yeah. All that's in the record and undeniable, uh, but we never hear that. Yeah. And uh, after the war, we know that uh, Forrest could very easily be called the first civil rights advocate in the state of Tennessee, mm -hmm. maybe in the entire South. Uh, that uh, he encouraged, he hired the black uh, former slaves. Uh, he encouraged them to engage in politics. Uh, 
He met with them and, and offered his advice, uh, employed many of them, and when he died, he was mourned and eulogized by the entire West Tennessee, Memphis uh, community of the former slaves. Mm -hmm. Sidney never tells us that. He leaves out all the positive and focuses on misrepresenting the, uh, the negatives. Yes, they're negatives, but they're also positives. Share it all with us and show us that you're aware of the full story. Then you're entitled to your opinion. That's fine. And I'll be entitled to mine. Uh, but uh, I, I'm disappointed to see that we're going to again perhaps alienate uh, the community, uh, portion of the community. And, the, and I don't say the college, I say the administration out there at the college. Yeah, but he is the representative of the university here in Rutherford County. And uh, when, when the county and, and the university are so polarized in, in a specific issue, uh, you and I uh, uh, were at a couple of the meetings when this was first brought up. And um, I was so disappointed in the people that were pushing for that uh, name to be changed. Um, they were very hostile. Uh, their language is not something that you want to be a part of. And the people for, who are representing um, their feelings as far as being people who lived here uh, have deep roots here. And they got up and spoke, uh, I think, very eloquently. Uh, they were very nice even to the people who were trying to shout them down you couldn't hear a lot of times what they were saying because the other group um, did not want the particular issues that they were representing to be heard and uh, it, the sad thing about all of this is none of this is reported the way that it should be and only a small portion of people were there at, at at the meetings that were going on, and um, the issue uh, pretty much was put in the hands of the people in in the, the historical part of the state and in the county, and then uh, after it was pretty much um, nixed at the time, we have seen just unbelievably great people their statues have been taken down all across the nation because a certain group um, as we know we're, we're we don't live in the type of setting that was going on when these people rose to particular heights and represented our nation and now uh, because this group is trying to change history we're seeing all these statues, Robert E. Lee, uh, going all the way back to the very start of our country, the people who did the Constitution, wrote the Constitution, and other great leaders, they're trying to destroy their particular uh, position in, in the history of this country. And it's a sad, sad thing, and it looks like that he's trying to take advantage of what's happened in other places 
to uh, accomplish what they tried originally here in our community. And it's, it's, it's a sad thing. And, and uh, the community and a university should be more working together than working against each other. Uh, let me move on to a couple of other interesting calls that I got in the last week. I got a call from, uh, well, his first name was Mark. He's based in Nashville, but he was a consultant who works with entities like our Discovery Center mm -hmm. help them develop their exhibits and their their story, uh, their information. And he was looking for information on the wetlands mm -hmm. there at the Discovery Center, which, as you know, is one of our natural uh, habitats and uh, a very important part, in my opinion, of the experience available for the kids. Uh, but they want to enhance that. And he called me with a couple of questions. I don't even remember what they were. But in the course of it, I said, well, you know that that's a man-made wetlands and explained to him the problem with the storm runoff as the city was developed and mm -hmm. explained to him how it was at one time a, a hill, a rock hill, that had been quarried out to make the foundation for the earliest buildings around the square and such. And uh, he, uh, on the second phone call, told me that the project that he was going to do was uh, put on hold for whatever reason. Uh, but. Uh, Apparently, they want to further develop the, the history, and uh, I told him I'd be glad to work with him on that and uh, point out to him some of the features, like the only private property completely surrounded by the wetlands now is the tower for WGNS, a uh, small patch of land there, but uh, still privately owned by guess who, uh, WGNS. And uh, uh, there's still, although it's underwater, the uh, uh, basin that was built by the railroad uh, back uh, in the late 1800s is still there, but mm -hmm. uh, it's underwater most of the time. So there's quite a bit more history we can do there. Another call was from a fellow up in the Northeast. I forget where he is based, but he was working on an idea for a documentary that would, I think, play on PBS, the public channels. Mm -hmm. And he said he was looking for information on the three black sisters. And I said, well, nah, I'm not sure what we're talking about. What do you mean the three black? Was their name black? And he says, well, they ran a school there. For, I said, oh, you mean the Soul College, the sisters there. <laughs> A uh, fascinating story involving some illicit activity, some, a murder case, and uh, he was interested in, well, I kind of piqued his interest because I said, well, you know, as much as 30 years after their disappearance from Rutherford County, the leadership in the county was still denying the truth about what was going on. and. Uh, he says that he is going to go ahead and develop something and come down here at some point to interview and, and uh, interview you well probably one part but some of the family uh, that was involved in the story mm -hmm. like the ridley family uh, are still are still available uh and he probably will talk to some of them but we'll see uh, 
Murfreesboro may once again get a little bit of national exposure. You know, it's amazing um, how much your your knowledge has grown here in Rutherford County over the last 10 to 15 years. It, it, you have worked diligently to restore all that information that, that has been lost all these years. And it's, I tell you what, I, when you're going to be on television, I'm going to be sitting there in front of the television. Uh, can antenna television pick you up when you're on, uh, what is it? I don't know. You, you have a clue? I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. <laughs> but uh, doesn't it... Uh, if you're trying to embarrass my television antenna, which is... Almost, I have got one also. Which is almost as old as you, maybe older. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me back off. <laughs> we, we, we can go over to... Uh, your 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 son's house or or my kid's house and we we can watch it together. If you can figure out which of what three hundred channels, something's gonna be. Yeah, on. yeah. I got four channels and uh, I still. Tell tell me how you think this is gonna that show's gonna go. Which show? The one about the three sisters. The, the, yeah, the yeah. I don't think it'll be flattering of the community, but it'll be a fascinating story for those who haven't heard it before. I've told it a number of times. I've written it. I've detailed uh, maybe a little too cautiously in the original book about it, uh, but I've detailed what was actually going on. They were they were uh, they were servicing or exploiting uh, young women who yeah. had unplanned pregnancies are illegitimate in those periods. And uh, the school was being used as a front for that activity. There was also insurance fraud and uh, some uh, never proven but uh, circumstantially fairly obvious uh, homicide involved mm -hmm. in, in the activity. Uh, my second book, Rutherford for Real, mm -hmm. uh, details much of that story. I can't remember, but it, it it doesn't seem like, uh, I know we're going to have to quickly take a quick break, but uh, it doesn't seem like that the community was, was either unaware of that or just didn't care. I mean, it, it just... I don't think it was either one. I think that there was some awareness, certainly mm -hmm. in certain segments of the community. And it wasn't that they didn't care, it was that they cared so much for the image of the morality of the community that uh, they wanted to cover it up. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Mr. Greg Tucker. I'm Carly Henry and I love Adam's Place. The food is very good and we're playing our card games and then we're looking and thinking it's about supper time. And all we have to do is go down and take our seats and wait to be waited on. And that's a far cry from what all of us have done when we had to go home from work and cook dinner for a family. I would encourage my friends to come to Adam's Place because it's a good choice. 
Hey guys, it's Scott. Make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center, where they exclusively specialize in men's wellness, and they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. It all starts with an annual wellness exam, where they do a comprehensive health assessment exclusively for us men, making it quick and easy to take care of your health. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, $155 a month, self-pay, or covered by most health insurance. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Murfreesboro Police Department, along with Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation, will host National Night Out Against Crime Tuesday. Activities will be held at Patterson Park Community Center on Mercury Boulevard from 5 to 8 p.m. National Night Out is an opportunity for residents to meet their neighbors, law enforcement officers, and other community service providers in an informal setting with the goal of increasing communication about crime prevention. Murfreesboro IT Network Administrator Bobby Leathers and Parks and Recreation groundskeepers Bo Smith and Matthew Miles were honored September 30th as the latest STARS Award recipients for July and August. Mayor Shane McFarland recognized the three city employees before the regular city council meeting. Smith was hired as a part-time groundskeeper in June of 2020. Miles hired as a part-time groundskeeper March 8, 2020. Bobby Leathers was hired in the Information Technology Department September 28, 2006. Rutherford County School Board approving a contract change that will provide pay increases to substitute teachers at six schools. The $10 raise is effective immediately at the hard-to-fill schools. The district will increase pay for subs with a high school diploma from $85 to $95 a day. Pay for subs with a college degree will increase from $95 to $105 a day. A weekend getaway alert. Gatlinburg police say there's been an increase in bear sightings recently. And while they say they understand bear watching is one of the reasons tourists travel to the nation's most visited national park, bear watchers need to remember that they're wild animals and can be dangerous. News online on demand at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms possible late this afternoon. Otherwise, partial sunshine develops a high in the upper 70s. West winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 6. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. 
FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Back on the air, Mr. Greg Tucker. You know, it's nice to be able to hear a voice. It's a good thing the two of us are on. <laughs> are we on? They finished at the break? Uh, we're on. That was a short, quick break. But yeah, everything good. is typed in today. Well, you commented as we came in this morning that I have an old book. And, you know, I can't even remember how I come to have the book found in the library mm -hmm. it is the report of the congressional committee on the reconstruction of the south and it's dated january 1866 so it's very early in the uh, period of reconstruction mm -hmm. and uh interesting as you expect there's a long introductory where they lay out what is going on and what is going on is they're trying to determine which states, if any, are eligible for readmission to the Union or specifically entitled to have delegates to the Congress, the House, and the Senate. And they're very protective of their prerogative there that uh, the House will decide who and when uh, can rejoin the, the House House of Representatives, and the Senate is going to decide who and when. And uh, they make it very clear that the president does not have, in their opinion, the authority to readmit any state to the union, that that uh, can happen only when uh, the houses of Congress decide to reseat or to seat representatives from those states. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for example, uh, reading some of the text of the uh, opening statements, uh, quote, having voluntarily deprived themselves of representation in Congress for the criminal purpose of destroying the federal union and having reduced themselves by the act of levying war to the condition of public enemies, they have no right to complain of temporary exclusion from Congress. And once you get past the opening statements, it is a long series of uh, witnesses mm -hmm. talking about the conditions in the various former Confederate states and testifying for or against uh, readmission of those. And uh, there's, oh, they recite seven or eight different reasons why they're going to move with caution, uh, addressing the Confederate states as a group, as a whole. Until you get the one phrase that uh, obviously catches our attention because near the end of the opening statement section, it says, the state of Tennessee occupies a position distinct from all the other insurrectionary states and has been the subject of a separate inquiry and report. Mm -hmm. uh, 
what has happened, which we have referred to in other contexts, is the state of Tennessee, before the end of the war, amended its constitution, reestablished the legislature, uh, and then conducted a, uh, first a constitutional amendment referendum, passed the new amendments to the constitution, and uh, then held elections and elected congressmen, senators, uh, and they are essentially standing by waiting to be readmitted. The uh, amendments we've talked about before with some uh, curiosity. The uh, governance of the state in early 1965 was under a military governor mm -hmm. appointed directly by Abraham, President Abraham Lincoln and it was Andrew Johnson. And uh, <clears throat> he called a constitutional convention in January 1865, while the war was still going on actively mm -hmm. in other parts of the South, and uh, ultimately some in Middle Tennessee. And uh, among the amendments was setting up who could vote and uh, who was eligible to run for office. And the first uh, amendment became the first paragraph of the new Tennessee Constitution uh, for the first time banned, outlawed slavery in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about it before because the so-called Emancipation Proclamation, the proclamation uh, excluded Tennessee and very explicitly in its its terms said this does not apply to the state of Tennessee uh, and left the uh, slavery laws in place in Tennessee. So Tennessee is the only one of the Confederate states, only state anywhere that uh, ended slavery on its own initiative. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that, of course, constitutional amendments first have to be recommended by a duly authorized constitutional convention, which the governor had set up. Then it had to go to the people. So on February 22nd, there was a referendum on the new constitution. It passed overwhelmingly, coincidentally, on Washington's birthday. Yeah. So if we really were looking for uh, the date of the uh, emancipation in Tennessee, it's February 22nd, 1865, before the war ended, mm -hmm. before uh, the surrender at Appomattox. And for that reason, and because uh, by January of 1866, Tennessee had elected new senators, Tennessee had elected congressmen, and they were literally standing outside the door uh, waiting to be admitted. So Tennessee, as you get into the actual report, the very first section of the report is Reconstruction-Tennessee and uh, involves testimony uh, with respect to Tennessee and its circumstances. Uh, Did that cover every issue of Tennessee uh, seceding from the Union? Yeah, it recites that Tennessee did succeed by vote of the legislature. Uh, but uh, then the question is, are they now positioned 
to be readmitted mm -hmm. and uh, to remedy this state of things I'm reading the, lo the loyal people of the state by their delegates on the 8th of January assembled in convention at the capital in the city of Nashville quote to take such steps as wisdom might direct to restore the state of Tennessee to its once honored status mm -hmm. in the great national union uh, and they called witnesses. Uh, one of the witnesses, let's see if I can quickly find that, was the elected uh, congressman uh, for, uh, let's see, where is that? His name uh, was uh, Cooper. Curious if it's some of the same family, but uh, he testified as the representative. And again, uh, interesting that he refers to, uh, yeah, he recites that he is, uh, he represents, and it represented about seven states, uh, Cannon County, Rutherford County, Coffee County, I know this Coffee County spelled different. C-O-F-F-E-Y, mm -hmm. uh, and says that uh, there has been no uh, Union Army present in any of the counties uh, over the last half year, six months or so, and that the, not, the counties are not at all in rebellion. And then he backs up and says, uh, as to the uh, Union Army's presence, they're in none of those eight counties, running all the way down to Lincoln County from uh, uh, Cannon County, except Rutherford County. Mm. That there's still a presence of uh, Union military in Rutherford County. Doesn't explain it. The impression is that perhaps Rutherford County is uh, less submissive at this point. I think that's probably not the case. I think what was going on is the uh, Union Army was still at ready and based at places around the state, and one of those was Fort Rosecrans in Murfreesboro. Mm. So they were bivouacked uh, in Rutherford County, but not because Rutherford County was uh, a problem. It was just their base, and uh, for that reason, probably he didn't, he didn't, he the congressman didn't elaborate at all. Uh, so there was a lot of peaceful activity going on in Tennessee at the time. Is that correct? Well, that is where the testimony uh, focuses and the questions that are being asked of first uh, Cooper, I found his page here, mm -hmm. are uh, what's the attitude? Is Are they uh, now loyal or are they inclined to be submissive or are they still uh, in rebellion and uh, looking for opportunities. But he says, I'm quoting now, I can say fearlessly from an intimate personal acquaintance with the people of the 4th Congressional District composed of the counties of Rutherford, Cannon, Coffee, Franklin, Lincoln, Giles, Marshall, and Bedford, and which I have the honor to claim to represent. And the claim is in italics because He's not admitted yet, that's the issue. Mm -hmm. So he's literally standing outside the door, but is testifying. Uh, that's figuratively outside the door. 
I have the honor to claim to represent and where there are no federal soldiers and have not been any, comma, except in Rutherford County since the 1st of July, 1865, that peace and quiet and complete obedience to the law prevail. No difficulties of any kind. Law and order are everywhere observed. Uh, in other words, we're no problem. We should be readmitted. Mm -hmm. And you know, ultimately, Tennessee was the first of the seceding states, was the last to secede and the first to be readmitted to the Union. Yeah. So, you know, jumping way ahead, we know. Uh, question of uh, compliance with two issues. One, any law passed by the uh, new state legislature, mm -hmm. which, of course, was elected by those who were allowed to vote in 1865. Uh, that was one. Uh, are they going to abide by the laws? Uh, are the laws uh, fair and equal in their treatment of uh, the freedmen, the former slaves, as well as the uh, those who remained loyal to the Union? Mm -hmm. And uh, to the extent reasonable, are they fair to those who were among the rebellious uh, forces? Uh, they, they make one exception, which, and again, this is in the statement of uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, the elected representative. Uh, I fully believe that the United States troops might be withdrawn any day, and the present state government would be protected and guarded until the expiration of its term without molestation or danger. It seems to me that the people feel the necessity of peace and law and order and they didn't tend to have it. Another issue around that was, are they willing to pay the taxes? Because they were, they, the Union Federals, were imposing some of the expenses of the war mm -hmm. on the rebellious states. And the question being, you know, are they going to pay? Are they going to rebel against this? And uh, generally, are they going to comply with the white, with the new laws? And uh, the Congressman Cooper testifies, the legislature, this federally backed legislature that uh, Andrew Johnson elected, the legislature has passed all laws necessary for the protection of the freedmen, the former slaves. And there is but one single case in which the punishment of the white man differs from that of the freedman and that is in the case of rape or assault with intent to commit rape on the person of a white woman. Goes on without any further explanation, but apparently it was universally accepted at that time that uh, that was a reasonable uh, differentiation. Uh, be interesting if we can find more as we read on. Uh, Since the first, oh, and then they have the representative from West Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And his characterization is West Tennessee never was really in rebellion. Uh, I note that uh, other, other uh, witnesses say just the opposite. But uh, the representative from uh, West Tennessee 
said that since the first occupation of Memphis by the National Forces in June 1862, no spirit of discontent or insubordination has ever manifested itself. And though we have, in addition to the usual taxes, been compelled most of the time to pay from 3 to 5% tax on all merchandise shipped in Memphis and 25% plus 4 cents per pound on all cotton shipped from Memphis and $2 per bale military tax and other military taxes ad infinitum amounting in the aggregate to millions of dollars, it has been promptly paid without complaint. So, uh, addressing the commercial aspects of that. Uh, he goes on to talk about the crops were not cultivated by involuntary, excuse me, the crops in 1863, 64, and 65 in West Tennessee were not cultivated by involuntary servitude, but by compensated labor. And the result of the three years' experience is that our colored population have learned the important lesson that a good and trusty laborer will command better wages than a bad one. And our white population who own the land have learned the equally important lesson that he who pays wages promptly and fairly and otherwise honestly redeems his obligation to the employee will surely procure the best and most reliable labors. And goes on to say, the only relic of slavery now seen in our midst is the frequent practice by the agents of the Freedmen's Bureau, generally understood to be for a consideration, in other words, these agents are working for pay, of compelling Negroes to make unwilling contracts with parties with whom they do not desire to live. Again, I think we're hearing the exaggeration by an advocate who's trying to get back into Congress, get his district back into Congress. But the Freedmen's Bureau was set up to protect and enforce the rights of the freed slaves. But here he says that the only complaint in respect to the former slaves is they are complaining that the Freedmen's Bureau itself is forcing them into contracts with parties that they don't want to work for or, or to be involved with. And uh, the suggestion is that the agents of the Freedmen's Bureau are being compensated on a commission basis for executing these contracts. The reconstruction period emphasized that the uh, former slaves should be rehired in the area where they want to remain, if they want to remain in the area. And they should look first to where they formerly were slaves. And uh, all of this labor should be on a contract basis with a hourly wage or a weekly or a monthly wage. Somewhere in here it says that the minimum, you see we even had minimum wage rules back in Reconstruction, mm -hmm. was going to, for, for uh, agricultural labor was $15, I believe it was $15 per month, which was not a was not a small amount back then, a decent living wage, uh, and that was being required. Hey, we've got a listener who's called in. 
and asked, are any of the surviving families being compensated, or will they? I, I'm not sure. Well, that was one sensitive point that we find on later on in some of the testimony. Uh, any demand for compensation arising from the emancipation, in other words, you took property from us, pay us for it, mm -hmm. is being taken as a rebellious position and would disqualify the, the state or the district from being readmitted. All right, uh, one more uh, going along with this regarding disruption caused by Union troops, etc. All right, there is in here quite a bit of discussion around that because a lot of the destruction claims are being made by those who claim to have been loyal to the Union all along. Mm -hmm. And there's a clear indication that, you know, we should be compensating our friends yeah. for the <laughs> inadvertent, hardly, destruction of their value, their properties and yeah. such, uh, sorting out. Uh, who's claiming fairly and who's claiming falsely mm -hmm. was a challenge. But yes, there's uh, uh, some focus and discussion on uh, reparations. And you remember in our local community, some reparations weren't being paid until well into the first decade of the 1900s. Mm -hmm. uh, and some were never paid at all. And uh, again, it seems to turn on who who are you and and what do you what do you have to say of your loyalty or what have you yeah uh, interesting that one of the testimonials is uh a prominent well known name in tennis in Murfreesboro uh, see if I can locate that it is uh William Spence. Yeah, mm -hmm. here we go. On February 2nd, 1866, uh, Colonel William Spence was sworn and examined. And they began, the first question was, where do you reside and what is your occupation? The answer, I reside three miles from the city of Murfreesboro, Rutherford County, Tennessee. My business now is farming. Uh, curiously, are you a native of Tennessee? No, I've been there ever since I was five years old, but I was born in Ireland. Mm. Uh, I've written frequently about the Spence family and William Spence in particular. He was an alderman for Murfreesboro before the war. And uh, the emphasis on I am now in the farming business uh, says a lot because he was a banker and founded the first home-owned bank in Rutherford County mm. with uh, another one of the Spence family called, I believe it was called the Exchange Bank and was oh, five or six years before the outset of the war. His bank went bankrupt even before the war. Uh, it seems like some money disappeared. Uh, and after the war, almost immediately, he is elected as a... Uh, I believe he was elected as a senator from Tennessee and again was one figuratively waiting outside the door to be admitted to the to the Congress. Uh, yeah. Says, are you in any public employment at this time? My mistake. I was elected to the Senate of the legislature of Tennessee, so he's a state senator and continues as a member of that body. Uh, 
he testifies a little more uh, on the on the fence about uh, the attitudes in uh, Rutherford County and uh, disclaims any knowledge of any other part of uh, of uh, the state, but does begin to draw the distinction that becomes very evident as you read on through the reports that East Tennessee is a very different uh, circumstance mm -hmm. from the middle and the west west portions. Uh, a couple of interesting points. Uh, the most oppressed class of people in East Tennessee, according to their testimony, and Spence here seems to agree, was the loyalist, those who stayed loyal to the Union, mm -hmm. uh, that the Confederate uh, Army and the, the uh, uh, secessionists, uh, I think the word used from time to time is persecuted those who remained loyal. But actually, it looks like the majority, uh, by head count, of East Tennessee people are now claiming to have always remained loyal to the union. Mm -hmm. uh, they also uh, discuss the fact that the Freedmen's Bureau is basically inactive in East Tennessee because of the very limited population of uh, blacks in East Tennessee and the very few uh, landowners who owned slaves during that period. But in response to questioning, uh, one of the witnesses acknowledged that East Tennessee, uh, the East Tennessee population was not at all receptive to in-migration of the freed slaves. Uh, their attitude was, we didn't have slaves, we stayed loyal to the Union, and we should not be burdened now with uh, you know, having to meet the needs of, of this class of people. Uh, so East Tennessee was, I think, obviously a reason why the Congress and the Reconstruction Committee were leaning towards Tennessee. And ultimately, Tennessee was readmitted while all the other states were still in chaos. And the chaos is used as a particular reason to hold off, because at the beginning they point out that at the time of the surrender, the unconditional surrender, there were no functioning governments in any of the states. Now they back off that finally because Tennessee is out of February 1865, had a new state government and was electing representatives. But in all the rest of the uh, former Confederacy, there was nothing, no one, no entity that you could look to for governance. And I think that was very much the case. The courts, for instance, reopened very promptly in Tennessee, but the courts remained inoperative in many of the other states for months beyond where we are right now. You know, I was looking at you reading that book that's almost a half a foot wide, and I was wondering where in the world would they find all of this information to be able to utilize that's the most complicated thing I've ever heard in my life. It, it really is. I mean, there, there was nothing simple about that, what's happening in Tennessee, or, or even mentioning the entire war. It, it was just, it was a complicated issue all the way through. 
Well, I think it's fair to say there was a political element that uh, was benefiting from the chaos and the uh, circumstances, and we're trying to prolong it. And uh, at the same time, there were those such as the military governor, Andrew Johnson, who was trying to push as quickly and rapidly as possible, and he succeeded. Uh, of course, he was, when he called his election, he did not stand for a re-election because he was an appointed military governor. Mm -hmm. And W.G. Brownlow was our governor uh, coming out, you know, when we were readmitted to the union. And he turned out not to be healthy for the state. He uh, yeah. he encouraged too much the, uh, what would you say, the invasion from the Northeast and yeah. the exploitation during that period. Uh, but at least we were treated uh, very differently from any of the other states. And I say we proudly. Tennessee was recognized as being different. And uh, I think the majority of the Tennesseans and even a lot of the uh, so-called secessionists saw that it was in our interest to get back in and begin to focus on other things like the redevelopment of the industrial base, the agricultural base in the, in the state. Well, we were the, the last to come in and the first to come back. So it, it's, um, it, isn't it funny that governments can be so different that the opinions of the people inside the governments are, are so different in so many ways. And uh, I'm like most people, I think. Uh, maybe I'm not. But uh, I'm one of those people that I don't believe the war should have ever happened. They could have eventually worked things out in support of, of all the things that were negative at the time. Uh, I think some have the view that both sides were a bit trigger happy. Yeah. Uh, that it need not A lot of people died that shouldn't have died. Yeah. Yeah. It escalated that way. And, of course, during this reconstruction, very least the early of it, they're placing all the blame on the states that seceded. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's... There has to be problems for yeah. that to happen. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of bloodshed over it. Ah, great job, as usual, well, I hope, Greg. I, I hope we were on the air all that time. Well, it, I was focused the whole time. It, it's hard to keep my mind going in all the directions that are, um, I started to say a, a word that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> but anyway, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and, and uh, I learned a lot today. All right. Very, very nice. Thank you, Truman. Thank you, Greg. Greg Tucker. All right, guys. We're through. Everybody have a good day. NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450.